Today we're going to be in uh, Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Um, but if you would, first please turn to Proverbs chapter 3, because we're going to look at that real quick at the beginning. But our main text is Proverbs chapter 2. And uh, while you're turning, I want to ask you a question. What do you think about when you hear the word wisdom? What do you know about wisdom? Have you ever heard the saying, knowledge is knowing what to say, while wisdom is knowing how to say it? For some reason, every time I think of the word wisdom, that's what pops into my head. I don't really know why, but to me, it seems a little mundane. A lot of times, our view of wisdom is pretty mundane. It's chalked up to generally good advice or traditional sayings that are passed down from long ago. As Solomon introduces the book of Proverbs and the worth of wisdom, we begin to see that wisdom is so much more than just that. So let me read a few verses from Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to be starting in verse 13. Proverbs 3, 13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, and by understanding he established the heavens. Just from these few verses, you will quickly see that Solomon, that to Solomon, wisdom is a matter of life and death, and there is nothing mundane about it. Godly wisdom is exactly what we need every circumstance, and it's not merely just a few one-liners that will cause you to stop and to chew on them for a little bit, and it is not merely good advice. Wisdom is foundational to life, and it is absolutely necessary that our perspective on it is correct. Now, what if I told you that in the chapter that we are going to study this morning, Solomon gives us exactly what it takes to become wise ourselves? Let's read Proverbs chapter 2, Verses 1 through 11. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. 
For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and He preserves the way of His godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. In these 11 verses, there are three working agents involved in acquiring wisdom. It breaks down like this. If the seeking student searches, then the giving God grants and watchful wisdom works. Try saying that three times fast. With these three agents working, a person can attain wisdom. The three agents are a seeking student, a giving God, and watchful wisdom. Now, we will get to all three of these agents eventually. But for right now, we will focus on the searching student and his four required actions. There are four conditions for the searching student and then two results in the process of attaining wisdom. So first, let's look at the searching student. The searching student. Solomon addresses his audience as my son. The exact nature of this relationship between the author and the son is not perfectly clear. It very well could be Solomon writing to his biological son. But it was not uncommon at that time to write wisdom literature in the form of a father writing to his son when the relationship was actually more like a teacher to a student or even an author to the general public. Regardless of the actual relationship of the author and the son, the idea remains that the author has wisdom to impart on his audience. The son is in the position of a student, and we can learn from their interaction. Now, there are four conditions that this son, seeking wisdom, must meet before the two results are realized. Four conditions that the seeking son must meet. The searching student must receive the words. Look with me on verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, This is an active receiving, not a passive receiving. This is what the Thessalonians did in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. 
they received the word and they accepted it as the very word of God. James also urges his readers to prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves in James 1.22. These examples of receiving emphasize knowing the weight of what they are receiving. When we receive these words of wisdom, we are receiving nothing less than the very words of the Most High God. The God who created us. He has spoken and we can know what He has said. How can we do anything but listen with intent? Now, not only do we need to receive the words um, actively, but we also must understand that this is a long-term endeavor. This is not just a quick reception. This word treasure carries with it the idea of storing up. We take these words and we keep them. We store them. I think what he means here is he's talking about memorization. The psalmist uses the same word in Isaiah one nine or in the Psalm one nineteen, eleven. He says, "I have stored up your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you." Is this something that you are actively involved in? This part of my study has been especially convicting to me, because. I have simply not been putting in the time to memorize the word of the Lord like I should. Let this be a reminder to you, as it has been to me, to take up memorization as a daily habit. God's word is worth storing up. What God told Joshua in Joshua 1.8 should be our goal as well. He tells him, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now, the second thing that a searching student must do is the searching student must make his ear attentive. Make his ear attentive in verse 2. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. We need to remember that receiving wisdom requires focus. We are to train our ears to perk up when the word of the Lord is being taught. Now, my wife and I just recently adopted a little kitten. And we got him off of the street, and for the longest time, we thought that we had adopted the sweetest little lap warmer in the entire world. This cat would do nothing but purr and nap all day long. Little did we know that we had actually adopted a stone-cold killer. (laughs) Moses is his name, and little Mo is a born hunter. Whenever we would get out the laser pointer... He is in full focus. He hunches way down to the ground 
and creeps along the nearest cover. He waits patiently as the dot shifts back and forth. His eyes are wide open and his ears are both pointed straight ahead. He has his full attention on his prey. The target is locked and nothing is escaping his notice. Now, being attentive in the pew at church is probably going to look a little bit different than my mighty Mo. But the idea is still there. Are you coming to receive the word with focus? Or are you going to let these words pass right by you? The third thing that a student, a searching student must do is a searching student must cry out. In verse 3, it says, For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. I believe that Solomon here is, is intending prayer and, and asking God for wisdom. But it doesn't specify right here in this verse that um, we are to cry out to God necessarily. But I think that we can assume that because God is the source of wisdom, which we'll read later on in verse 6, it is to him that we cry. James expresses this idea in James 1.5. He says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I think that prayer for wisdom is not uncommon among believers today. We often turn to prayer for wisdom in making a certain decision or in facing a certain challenge. This is a good thing. But I don't think that that entirely captures the point of James or in verse 3 here in the Proverbs. Wisdom is is not a tool to be picked up in order to manage one situation, just to be put down again. A prayer for wisdom is a prayer for renewed character. A sharpened mindset for all circumstances to come, and not just for a time. A prayer for wisdom should be prayed even when nothing is pressing upon you. To pray for a wise decision is a good thing. But remember also to pray for wisdom itself. The fourth thing that a searching student must do is a searching student must seek. In verse 4, it says, If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures... Seeking here involves two things. First, you must know the goal. We need to know the goal of what we're searching for. The key to searching the right way is by knowing the value of what we're searching for. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus tells the crowds around him a parable of a man who knew the value of his goal. Jesus says, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. From joy over it, he goes and he sells everything that he has, and he buys that field. Wisdom is our goal. Remember what we had just read in Proverbs chapter 3. It said, She is more precious than jewels, talking about wisdom, and nothing you desire compares with her. Do you believe that? What is wisdom worth to you? Do you realize its value is like great treasure? Are you willing to give up everything else to seek it? Not only does seeking involve knowing the goal, but it also involves reaching for that goal. You, right now, in this room, have access to God's very word. And for many of you, it's right there in your lap. Pastors Clay and Farrell have been giving you tools to hone your search. And they've even exemplified it day in and, or week in and week out. Now, you, search, put in the hard work of exegesis and see what God has truly said. Work diligently through the text, asking yourself, what is the author saying? Why is he saying that? And how does this inform the way I'm living right now? In practicing faithful study, we are exercising our ability to search out the scriptures and to seek after wisdom. So, to recap, the searching student will first receive, he will make his ear attentive, he will cry out, and he will search for wisdom. And then, finally, Solomon gives the first result of following all of these conditions. If the searching student does these things, then he will, in verse 5, discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. This first part is a callback to chapter 1 in verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is the basics. This is the foundation of knowledge. Fearing the Lord. Be careful to realize what exactly this result is. It is not the wisdom that some people might think of when they think of wisdom. James 3, 15 through 17 compares the, the, these two wisdoms. There's wisdom from above, but then there's also wisdom from the earth. And he talks about the wisdom of the earth here. He says, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder 
and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy. There is a wisdom that at first seems right and it seems practical. But in the end, it is self-seeking and demonic. The second thing that the searching student will discern, it will really discover the knowledge of God. The searching student will discover the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is that priceless prize that should catch your attention. Jesus prays to the Father on behalf of his disciples that they might know him. He says in John 17.3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What other incentive do you need? Discovering the very knowledge of God is at stake here. Then, Solomon goes on to answer How? How is it that we will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God? The answer is this. It is only because God gives. The second agent at work is the giving God. First we saw the seeking student, and now the giving God. The giving God does four things for those who seek Him. First, He gives wisdom and knowledge in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Our God is the author of wisdom. Solomon here is admitting that this wisdom does not come from Him. He is merely a mouthpiece through which God provides His children with His knowledge, with His wisdom. We do not put our faith in Solomon. We do not seek secret knowledge and proverbs from a man. We put our faith in the God of the Proverbs who stands behind His own words. Now, the second thing that the giving God does is He stores up wisdom for you. He stores it up for you. In verse 7, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. God has provided us with all His revelation in His Word. The Lord has prepared His Word over years and years, so that we can know what He has said. He leaves us with nothing lacking, but everything that we could ever need for life and godliness, He has stored up for us, according to 2 Peter 1.3. 
The third thing that the giving God does is he shields you. He shields you. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Now, I had a hard time understanding what exactly this means, that that God is a shield. But in my study, I found a strong correlation between that and his faithfulness. I believe that the soundness of his wisdom is the unbreaking shield that we can stand behind. In Proverbs 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Because the word of God, words of God are true, we can rest peacefully under that shield of assurance. <clears throat> the final thing that the giving God does is the giving God guards you. He guards you. In verse 8, it says, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Our God does not leave you on your way. The Lord continues to watch over and to preserve those that are his. He will not lose you. Those who are godly do not need to worry about what lies before them. The Lord is at work, and he will guard your way. So, to recap again, the searching student will first receive, will make his ear attentive, will cry out, and will search for wisdom. And then, the first result of following all of these conditions will be discerning the fear of the Lord because wisdom comes from God. Now, the second result is that in verse 9, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. The second result is that you will discern. All of these things are an imitation of God's very character and were used to introduce the book in chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. In Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7, the Lord describes himself as just and righteous. These characteristics are what we are commanded to put on when we imitate our God. In Ephesians 4, 24, it says, Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God was created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. This is the very outworking of the wisdom in virtue. Discerning these things is making known outside what has already happened inside. 
Just like James's challenge in James 3.13. He says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. The result of God working in your life will be godliness. You will respond to unrighteousness with righteousness. You will respond to injustice with justice. You will respond to corruption with equity. And you will respond to what is wrong with what is right. Again, Solomon then answers the question of how. How is it that we are to discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course? The answer is, it's because wisdom has entered your heart. Wisdom has entered your heart. And so that is the third agent that's at work here. The third agent is a watchful wisdom. The watchful wisdom. It says that wisdom and knowledge will enter you in verse 10. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Notice that it was God who spoke knowledge and wisdom into you in verse 6. Look at that with me here. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So God spoke knowledge and wisdom into you in verse 6, but now in verse 10, knowledge and wisdom enters your heart. And now, it works as the protector alongside the Lord. When you have wisdom and knowledge, it will be a delight to your soul. This delight can even be life-giving, as we see in Psalm 119, 92-93. The psalmist says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction." I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Wisdom and knowledge will protect you. That's the second work of watchful wisdom in verse 11. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. This work is not just replacing the work that the Lord does as the protector of you. But it is being used by the Lord in parallel to His own protective work. It is the result of wisdom, and ultimately it it comes from God. Now, I won't go too far into the protective work of wisdom and knowledge, because Lord willing, next week, Isaac will be able to walk us through that and take a look at what protection looks like and why it is necessary. But for this week, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to meditate on these conditions that we have looked at to receiving wisdom. Take a look at your own life and see where you need to grow. Do you desire wisdom? If so, what does that look like in your life 
How does that show itself? Then, I also want you to rejoice. Rejoice in the abundant rewards that are promised to the one who seeks after wisdom. Let them encourage you to pursue wisdom faithfully and also to encourage you to help others beside you in the same way. Because the the path to acquiring wisdom is not an easy one. Wisdom is not a simple thing. But be encouraged, because God gives wisdom to those who seek Him. Listen to His words and follow His commands, and God will work. Even if every one of these areas that we've looked at needs work in your life, God has given you his word to lead you in what to do. He's given you his church to encourage you in doing it. He's given you his spirit to empower you to do it. And he has given you his son to mediate on your behalf. He has not left you on this path. He is there and he is guarding your steps as you seek his wisdom. With all these gifts that he gives, go, search for wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the wisdom that you have given us and the opportunity to seek it and to pursue it. Lord, I thank you for your word, how you have made it available to us so that we can seek after you. I pray, Lord, that we would be diligent in this. Help us not to be hearers of the word and then forget it. I pray that we would be intentional about pursuing wisdom, seeking out your word, and seeking out how we can live in light of it. I thank you for this opportunity to open up your word, to be able to discover these things together. And I pray that you would bless the rest of our days and the rest of our weeks, that we might honor you and glorify you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.